Okay. Uh, it's uh, been a while since I was here. Well, not as long as my previous one. But uh, uh, every time I come up behind the pulpit, it's uh, it's always frightening. No, no, no. It's not not because I'm, I'm I'm frightened to stand in front of people. That's that's not the issue. Um, there's always um, something in the back of one's mind when you when you stand up and, and, and preach God's word that you have to be very cautious of what you're saying because we stand there with a greater judgment because we have more ability to influence every single one of you to the error or to the right. So um, before we start, we just open up the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for your goodness today, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as um, you prepared, uh, helped me prepare this message, that this message would just go out, Lord. We pray that all the hearts who hear this message, Lord, would be prepared for this message, Lord. And those that it's aimed at would be touched and that the Holy Spirit would work in their hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you just hide me behind the cross, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you use me today so that this message may go out, that people may be saved, Lord, that they may know the wonderful good news and the glory that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <coughs> There have been a number of tragic events in the news lately. We've seen the disappearance of MH370, and most recently we've seen the shooting down of uh, MH17 by what appears to be a Russian book missile. These tragic events are really confronting to everyone for a number of reasons. One, they're indiscriminate. They're no respecter of person. It affects both the young and the old alike. They indiscriminately affect all aspects of the population. And it is also nation independent. Um, if we look at the late, latest ones, we had a couple of Australians and, and Netherlands people. And previous ones, we had a few Chinese. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. First class went down just the same as business class and economy class. No difference. It doesn't matter if you're English, if you're French, if you're Italian, Australian, Chinese. They all affect everyone the same. The second point is that there's a large number of deaths involved. MH370 killed 295 people. MH17, 298 people were killed by what appears to be a Russian missile. Now, I want to put these numbers into perspective. <coughs> Because sometimes we see these numbers in the paper and we don't think much about them. Those 593 deaths represent about 13% of the population of Sunbury. Right. The pop, um, and around 48% of the population of Frankston, based on 2012 data. And just think about that. Half the population of, of the suburb, decimated, gone. If we had to even have that here, it would be a, a major, major thing. If any suburb that we just had in Australia was wiped out by that. The third thing to note as well about this is that it can happen at any time. These tra tragic events happen without anyone knowing when it's going to happen. It could be a plane crash, as we see in MH370 and MH17. It could be an earthquake that hit... Japan. It could be a tsunami that hit Indonesia. It could be a volcanic eruption that hit Italy a long time ago. It could even be a bushfire which hit King Lake. It can happen anywhere and there's no place safe. No one's immune. These tragic events started me to think a little bit more about sin, about salvation and about eternity. It made me think about the unpredictability of life and also what happens when you die. Our first scripture, there's going to be a few, so I hope you have nimble fingers, is to turn to Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 16. Genesis chapter 15. After, after these things, the word of the Lord came to, unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? 
And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of my house is mine heir. And behold, the, law, or the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own law, uh, bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought uh, forth, uh, and he brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now towards heaven, and tell the stars, if thou art able to uh, number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and he was counted, uh, and he was counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees, to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each, one, uh, each piece one against another. But the birds div divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, uh, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land, and that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with a great substance, with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In this section of scripture, we see some of the uh, promises of God to Abraham. We also see um, um, the, the case of Abraham's salvation. But we also see there that um, God promised the land for Abraham's descendants. But the interesting verse that I want to focus on today is verse 16, where it says, The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. The title of my message today is, How Full Is Your Cup of Sin or Iniquity? The Amorites were the descendants of Canaan, who was the son of Ham. They had rejected God and worshipped idols. This verse tells us something about, uh, very interesting about God and his judgment. God asks Abraham here that the uh, tells Abraham here that the iniquity or the sin of the Amorites had not reached its full measure, and that Abraham's descendants had to wait until that measure was full for the judgment to fall on the uh, Amorites. If you look at verse 13 and verse 14, you see here. And said unto Abraham, Know of surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom shall, uh, they shall serve, I will judge, and afterwards they shall come out with, a great, with great substance. Here again we see Egypt would likewise be judged of God when their measure of iniquity was full. Well, let's look at another example. We turn to Exodus. Chapter 3. Let me just read verses uh, 1 to 9 first. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mount of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am, the, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. 
And the Lord said, I, I have seen, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt. And I've heard the cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I'll come down and deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up, uh, up to me, and I've seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Turn down, go down to verse 17. And he said, I'll bring you up out of, the, uh, of, out of the afflictions of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites into a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken unto thy voice and shall come out, uh, come, thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt. And you shall say unto him, The Lord God of Hebrews say un, uh, hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And I am sure the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I'll stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, and I'll do it in the midst of thereof. And after that he will let you go. And I'll give his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass, that when they go, ye go, ye shall not go empty, but every man shall borrow of her neighbor and her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of uh, silver and jewels of gold, the raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Here we, we have God appearing to Moses and sending him to Pharaoh to let his people go worship him. Like the Amorites, the sins of the Egyptians was filling up daily, for they persecuted um, God's chosen people. We see in verse 19 and 20, it says there, um, I'm sure the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I'll stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. God was sure that Pharaoh would not let the people go. His measure was not full, but was close to the brim. As you read through Exodus, you can do that in your own time, you'll see every time that Pharaoh rejected Moses and God, that measure got fuller and fuller. Each time Moses, uh, Pharaoh rejected Moses, he lost more and more. He lost his clean environment that he used to live in and the water that he used to bathe in. His cattle. He lost his people. He lost his wealth. He lost his heir, and eventually he lost his own life. God was patient and long-suffering with Pharaoh. God could have justly and righteously bring judgment onto Pharaoh for the smallest sin, but instead patiently waited until Pharaoh's measure was full, before judgment fell. There are many examples in the Bible where people continue in their sin until their measure was full. And then judgment fell. The people who came out of Egypt with Moses are a good example. Throughout Exodus and Numbers, we see that how, how the people used to murmur against God and against Moses continually. How they wanted to fill the lusts of their flesh. How they worshipped idols instead of God. And continually, and continually by their rejection and a, a, a disobedience to God, filled up their measure of iniquity. The Lord was patient and was long-suffering. But this came to an ahead in Numbers. Turn to Numbers. Go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, and I'll give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, uh, and Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran 
all those men that were heads of the children of Israel. Move down to um, verse 25. And they returned after searching the land after 40 days. And they went and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and shewed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwelt in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwelt by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. All the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And we, are sh we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in the, our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Um, just go to verse... Um, all right, uh, we're going to re read a few more verses. And the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were uh, of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it, and give us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us, and their defences departed from them. And the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them, the stones and the glory of the Lord appeared unto the tab uh, in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel, and the Lord said, "How long will this people provoke me? How long will they uh, it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed them." Okay. We see here, and if we continue reading a little bit further in twenty-one to verse thirty-one, we see the men that brought out evil report had filled the measure of iniquity fully. They were slain by the plague of God immediately, if you read verse 21 to 38. Immediately. That evil report that they brought to the people filled up the cup of iniquity immediately. But God didn't slay everyone. Those that believed the false report were sent back into the land of the wilderness. In verse, uh, we just read a little bit earlier in verse, um, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? God granted their wish. And as they traveled through the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years slowly every single one of those adults died one by one. And every funeral that was there attended was a judgment, and they could see that their iniquity had reached their full, and they were judged. Those that believed the false report went wandering in the desert and died and was buried in the wilderness when their iniquity was full. These are a couple of examples in the Old Testament. But what can we find in the New Testament? Because everyone says the Bible's complete. There's plenty of examples in the New Testament. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 12. I'm giving you a couple of examples before I reach the important of the key points of my sermon. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now about 
that time, the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain... Oh, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in a prison and delivered him to four quatrains of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Here we see that Herod was persecuting the church of God, continually filling his cup of iniquity. Herod's cup of iniquity was nearly full, and he did not know it. Just go down to verse 18, and to verse, uh, we we'll read to verse 23. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers that was become, uh, that was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him, he found him not. He examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and of Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made blasters the king's chamberlain their friend, desired peace because of the, their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave shouts, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. We focus on verse 23. We see there, it says, And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Herod's cup was full. His measure was full and immediately he was smote by the angel. And he was slain. Immediately judgment fell and Herod was condemned to hell. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 verses 9. Revelation chapter 6 verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be killed as they should be fulfilled. Here we have a picture of saints who had been slain, who were killed for the word of God. They were asking God for judgment and for justice. Again, if we look at verse 11, we see there clearly it says, I look at the... Um, and the robes were given unto them, every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren, that they should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. God has asked them patiently to wait until the measure was full for judgment to fall. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what can we learn from these examples that we've seen through the Bible. Charles Spurgeon has an excellent description on this in his sermon called Fill Up the Measure of Iniquity. And I'll view some of the points from his sermon here. The sermon was preached in 18, I think, 70 or something like that. So it's been quite a long time since maybe some of these points have been brought up. So it's a good time to bring them up. The measure of your, uh, the measure of your iniquity or sin can be likened to a cup. Every sin is added to that cup until it is full. Where do we get this idea from? Let's turn back. Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah chapter 5. 
Let's look at Zechariah chapter 5, and we're looking at verse 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes, and see, what is this that goeth forth? And he said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. And he said, Moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it in the midst of the ephah. And he cast that weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. There's a vessel there. Here Zechariah had a vision of a vessel, an ephah, that was filled with a talent of lead. And the talent of lead that was thrown into the ephah represented wickedness, wickedness and sin. Now ephah is a lot larger than a cup, which I'm using as my representation. But the principle is still the same. Every sin and wickedness that is perpetrated against God gets added to the vessel that you have until it is full. There are four points I wanted to make in today's sermon. The first one, there is a time when the cup of iniquity is not full. Second point is, the cup of iniquity is continually being filled. The third point is the cup of iniquity will one day be full. And the fourth point is what will happen then when the cup is full. First point there. There is a time when the cup of iniquity, a uh, uh, cup of sin is not full. If you're listening to this sermon and to this message and you're an unbeliever, then your cup, your cup is not yet full. There is a level of, of sin in your cup, even if you never sin again from this time forth. Sin is still in your cup, and you cannot take any measure of that sin out of your cup. Whatever you've done, every sin that you've done, ever, ever done, and added is, has been added to your cup. Your refusal to worship God, you add to your cup. You lust after someone or something, you add to your cup. Swearing, blaspheming, you add sin to your cup. Lying. Stealing, you add to your cup of iniquity. Worshipping of idols, you add to your cup. Hatred of someone, you add to your cup. Dishonouring of parents, you add to your cup of iniquity. Rejection of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you add to your cup of iniquity. Every sin, no matter how big or small, is added to your cup of iniquity. As I get older, I to forget, tend to forget some things. Some of the silly things I've done when I was young. And sometimes it's a blessing to forget these things. <laughs> As you get older, you think that. <laughs> and you might also say the same thing. Um, you might say, for instance, I have not sinned much. I don't remember my sins. Friend, do not be deceived. God remembers every sin that you have committed. Turn back to Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to read verses uh, 11. Verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from the, whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, when it, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every one, a man according to their works. And death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is an angel that records every single sin in a book that you have committed. And everyone will stand before the judgment of a throne and every sin will be read out. You may try and cover up your sin as King David did with Bathsheba, but sin will find you out 
and God knows about every sin you have done as, and has an angel that diligently records every sinful thought, every sinful act, every sin that you have ever done night and day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. The second point is, the cup of iniquity is continually being filled. Every unbeliever in the, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ is continually filling up the cup of iniquity. Even the good things that they want to do cannot be done without a mixture of sin in it. Turn back to Proverbs. Proverbs, and we're looking at chapter 21. Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, look at verse 2. It says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Go to verse 4. And high look and a proud heart, and the plow, plowing of the wicked is sin. Even plowing by a wicked person would be sin. Look at verse 27. It says here, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he bringeth, forth a, uh, bringeth uh, it with a wicked mind? God says it's an abomination for an unbeliever to sacrifice unto him. We see that men, we see that men judges what is right and wrong from their point of view. And that's pretty common now in, in our, our society. But it's actually God who is the ultimate judge. We know that we have all these men trying to say, oh no, what do you think, what do you think? And just re I just heard on the radio coming here, they were asking Usain Bolt about his opinion on Israel. For his opinion. And we seem to love this opinion. But as I said, God is the only one who is the ultimate judge. Verse 4 and verse 27 show that an unbeliever's good intentions are sinful. And... They add to his cup of iniquity because they glory in self and not of God, in God. If we turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verses 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll put down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good la goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Here we see a man who was very successful and had plowed the fields and had great wealth and great provisions. But he glorified in himself. And he did not glorify God for the increase that he had. And thereby sin filled his cup and judgment fell immediately. That night was he, his cup full. And that night it was going to eternity. The filling rate of the cup is not the same for every person. There are those that rush headlong first to fill their cup as fast as possible determined to rush into hell to be the first one there. There's a program on TV called What Really Happens in Bali. I have not personally watched this program, but the reports indicate, indicate depraved sinners pursuing every sensual and depraved act that they can, filling up their cups of sin as quick as they can, rushing in as much as they can. In 2011 to 2012, one Australian died every nine days in Bali. 
One Australian died every nine days. Their cups were full very, very quickly. The cup of one Australian was filled every nine days. This was 2011 to 2012. Now, Spurgeon mentioned there were two sins that were particularly grievous, that filled the measure quicker than normal. The first one was the persecution of God's people, God's children. The persecution of Christians helped fill up the measure quicker as the father may take abuse from an attacker. But when the attacker turns their focus onto their children, his wrath is stirred up and he will retaliate quicker. If we go back to Acts chapter 12, why was Herod judged so quickly? Look at verse 1 to verse 4. It says, Now about that time, Herod, king, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And he saw it please the Jews, and he proceeded further to take Peter also. We see here that Herod was responsible for persecuting the church. And that he was responsible for the death of James. And we saw later in verse 23 how not long after that, in Acts 12 verse 23, we see that Herod's cup was full and he was sold, was sent to a lost eternity. The second sin that is grievous, what Spurgeon said was grievous, very, very grievous, was the sin of attending a gospel service, hearing the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and the only true Savior of the world, and rejecting that message, despising the Son of God. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 says, Wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief places of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her voice, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the sojourners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn ye, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have sent at naught all my counsel, and would not, uh, would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you, uh, mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall ye call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me, er uh, they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hate, for that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Here we see, every time you hear the gospel message, God is stretching his hand out to save you. Every time you reject him, you hate knowledge, you despise Christ, you add to your cup of sin. There are many times when wicked or sinful people are sick at, and, or are at death's door and they cry unto God and say, they will change their lives if they recover from their illness. God heals them and they recover only to continue on that same path with no change. I knew a man who was in this exact situation. He had a heart attack and he told me he prayed to God to heal him and that he would change and turn his life around. What happened? God healed him and allowed him to recover. 
but he did not change. He forgot how God had healed him and how merciful God was on him. And he continued on his sinful way. It was not long afterwards that he had another massive heart attack. And he entered eternity lost. Friend, how close are you in filling your cup of iniquity? How, how close are you in filling that cup of sin that you have? How many times have you heard the gospel message? How many times have you had the Holy Spirit work on your heart and you were under conviction that you needed a saviour? How many times have you chosen to reject that message that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin? He rose three days later conquering death and ascending to the Father. Each rejection hardens your heart. Each rejection adds to your cup of iniquity. Each rejection brings you closer and closer to your cup being full. Our third point is the cup of iniquity will one day be full. You cannot take out anything out of your cup. Not one sin can be removed from your cup of iniquity. As with any vessel, if you continually add to it, no matter how big the vessel is, if nothing's taken out, it will one day be full. Sinner, your cup of iniquity is not yet full. But how full is it? Do you know? Unbeliever, think on the fact how full your cup is. Think back to when you were a child. How many lies did you tell? Did you steal anything? Did you disobey your parents? What about adolescence? What sins are you, or did you do in your youth? Were you selfish? Unkind words? Acts? Rebellion? What about adulthood? Fornication? Licentiousness? Living a life that's not pleasing. Every unbeliever listening to this should think back on your past and count the sins. Count them slowly. Add them up in your head. Because every one of them is added to your cup of iniquity. And how full is your cup? How far is it from being full? Also remember that God being a righteous God can judge you for any sin that you've done, the slightest sin, he can immediately and righteously take action and judge you and send you to eternity, a lost eternity. But because he is long-suffering, and he is very long-suffering, and he loves you, and he wishes you to be saved, he gives you an opportunity to come to him through his son Jesus Christ. There is a day when through your continual sinning, your cup will be full. When will that day be? Is it today? Will you walk out of this church rejecting Christ and your cup will be full? Will it be tomorrow? Will it be next week, next month? Are you ready for when that happens? Are you ready when your cup is full? Our fourth point is what then will happen when your cup is full. Turn to John chapter 8. Look at verse 24. I can read verse 23. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are uh, of this world, I am not of this world. And he said therefore unto you, uh, I say therefore, I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. And if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus says that you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. Who wishes to die in your sins? Those who do not believe that He is the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God. He says in verse 24 that you will die in your sins. If you believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. When your cup is full, you shall die in your sins. You may say to yourself, well, what's so bad about dying in your sins? 
Well, I would caution you to listen to the sermon I preached from this church called The Eight Realities of Hell. This is downloadable from our website at faithbaptistchurch.org.au. This will give you a glimpse of what awaits you if you die in your sins. But that is only the beginning. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse 11, and we'll read from 11 to 15. And I saw, we read this earlier, but we'll read it again. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was, is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things, which were written in the book, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, and uh, which were in the in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is a judgment that you'll have to face at the great white throne of Christ. If you've ever done something wrong you know, and had to stand before a judge. There's always some fear that we have when we stand before a judge. Oh. The judge may be, for instance, uh, a headmaster at school, and you've done something wrong, and in the old days, um, you may have felt um, fearful that, the, law, uh, that the, the headmaster might give you a couple of um, canes. We don't, I don't think they do that here anymore. Um, the judge might be a judge in the courtroom and you may have done something as speeding or something else and you may fear the judge for his ability to um, hinder your liberty by imprisoning you, for instance, or putting a fine on you. But if we hear from this section in Scripture, we hear, we see the judge of the universe. We see that his countenance was so fearful that the whole earth and the whole heaven Flee away from him. That is in verse uh, 11. See, we saw, we saw a, uh, and I saw a great throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. The whole universe, fled, the, the heavens and the earth will flee away from the face of the Lord. How terrible and scary that must be if you had to die in your sin and you stand before the righteous judge. Verse 12 says that all who die in their sins are judged according to their sins. Read verse 12. And I saw the dead small uh, and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the, those things which are written in the books according to their works. All those who are unbelievers, non-believers, will stand before the judge and have to defend themselves. You're already fearful. If the heavens and earth would fear, would, would, would run away from the Lord's face, how can you as an unbeliever stand before a righteous judge? And what fear and trembling will be in yourself, in your soul, as you stand before them? We also read in verse 12, that all, uh, later in there, that all non-believers are cast into the lake of fire. Not just them alone, but death and hell. And all those that die today will be in hell. So all the torments from hell will be still there. What can you do to escape this judgment? There's only one person who can empty your cup of sin. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not only take part of your sin, but all of your sin. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to read from verse 36. Then cometh Jesus unto them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. 
And he saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went again, away again the second time and prayed, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Jesus went to the cross at Calvary, and every sinner with a cup full, with a cup half, with a cup three quarters, every sinner that believeth in Jesus Christ had their cup emptied by Jesus and will no longer die in their sin. In Luke 23, we see a sinner with his cup very, very close to full. And it was full, full, full. Full to the brimmer. This sinner hung on the cross with Jesus next door to him. His cup of sin was full to the brim and was in the process of dying in his sin. But at the last moment, minutes from death, he believed Jesus to be the Savior. And immediately Christ emptied his cup and he was destined for him. The only way to escape the judgment is to believe that God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for sinful man. To pay that penalty for all the sin that man is guilty of. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Your name will be written in the book of life and you will escape the judgment of the great white throne. Don't wait. Don't delay. You don't know how full your cup is. And it is filling up every single day. Why would you enjoy the pleasure of sin for a few years and spend an eternity in hell, lake of fire? If you're not saved today, before you leave this place, talk to someone. Talk to someone in the church. And find out how you can be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.